0: Hey, military
1: moms! This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin Boyd. And today's show is about adjusting to new normals. Now, Rob, change is everything in the military family. You know, we we PCS move to different locations. We have different uh, friends. We have different lifestyles, different houses. I mean, the average military family moves like 15 times in their career. Yeah. Change is a part of life, and change is prevalent in everything we do. Seasons change, bodies change, children mm-hmm. change, but yet we still have the hardest time adapting to change.
0: And I don't know if it's a matter of uh, not being willing to embrace the, uh, the unknown. We, we don't know if we can handle it. We don't maybe have that self-confidence. Maybe it's a matter of being uh, comfortable with what we know and uh, afraid of what we don't know. Uh, It's very difficult because you are then not in control. You uh, are uh, in control of something that you are familiar with, that you know, but you're not in control when something brand new comes along. That's hard.
1: No, but I mean, we can go down to a simple haircut, you know, like. Everybody knows what it's like to go and get your hair cut. The stylist is like, "Hey, let's make a change," and you're like, <laughs> yeah!
0: "Oh no!" Like, like okay, yeah, but it's hard. It is hard. Um, with hair, at least it grows back. With um, some new normals that we have to get adjusted to, that's never going to be the same. And I think that's, that's the letting go part that none of us likes or none of a lot of times is very difficult to embrace.
1: It is really difficult to embrace. And
0: I think it's human nature to resist it. Don't you? I do. I do. Um, when you have an injury, when you have, um, uh, a, a, a medical issue. The, those are the things that will never be the same. You know, once you've gone through cancer, you will never quite be the same. Once you've had um, a, an accident or, or something happens while you're deployed, it's never going to be the same. Um, and, and I think that's where the challenge is, is how strong are you going to be to look at potential versus look at challenge?
1: Well, and I, you know, I think... There's, there's like two different kinds of changes, Rob, in, in, in my experience. Like one is the change you choose, you know, you go to the hair salon, you choose to change your hair, you know, you, you, uh, well, not always having a child is a choice, but you know, you, 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 by and large, we choose things. We want to get a new car. We want to change things out. And with your choice, I think it's a little easier to handle then when it's a choice foisted upon you you know when my mom died I had the choice whether or not to take my father into my household you know my veteran right. father and that was my choice to do so so when I get frustrated and mad I remind myself hey Sam this was your choice right but my right. mom died unexpectedly from mm-hmm. cancer not right. right right and I'm still resentful that she died I'm not I'm not resentful at her, I'm resentful at our medical system, I'm resentful at, you know, whatever caused the cancer, you know, I get resentful that my mom's not here to help me with all this single parenting thing,
0: uh-huh.
1: and yet I chose to bring my dad into the household, which ratchets up my stress like you wouldn't believe, but, you know, it's that the changes we, we choose are a lot easier to swallow than the changes we don't choose.
0: Sure. And I think in the military, especially when all of a sudden you've got to make a move, uh, sometimes you do have some choice of where or, or whether you're going to be on base or not on base. But sometimes, depending on your uh, deployment, you may not have a choice. I think that's very difficult for spouses to deal with, because although your um, enlisted person is doing his, job, his or her job, the spouse oftentimes isn't in control of any of that. So all of a sudden, you've got to make a household where the town you're not particularly crazy about, you've got to integrate your kids into a school that maybe you don't feel is, is uh, going to be the right fit, whether or not they're going to advance as, as quickly as they were in the past school or be bored out of their minds because they've already done that eight months ago. Um, those are the challenges that are so difficult and I think very hard to uh, accept and then move forward instead of holding that resentment.
1: Right. Or, or you've got kids that you've been in the neighborhood for four or five years and the kids have friends, they like their school. They might, you know, your older ones might have a boyfriend or girlfriend and it's like, sorry, you know, kids, we got to move.
0: I know. I know. To a certain degree, I think it is, this generation has it a lot easier than we did, say, in my generation in that um, at least there's media, at least there's Skype, at least there is email, at least there is some connection to help ease that. It it doesn't mean that it's going to be any easier, but it does mean that the transition can sort of be Maybe merged a little or, or blended a
1: little, bit. a little bit. Like yeah, it's yeah. like you're left to, like, okay, here's a stamp, write your boyfriend.
0: Yeah, exactly, because they're in <laughs> Pensacola and you're in Maine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you
1: know? Well, and I yeah. think change also, like, the, you know, you mentioned the fear of the unknown, and that's a really big thing when. You don't know, you know. There's so many things you do know, and you can guess, and you can, you can, you know, make these kind of predictions of what a change is going to bring. But you really don't know until the change happens, and that causes more than one sleepless night.
0: Ooh, very much so. Sleepless nights can be, and anxiety can can cause stress, can cause a lot, and. Um, I think trying to work out a way to get a better night's sleep first so that you can face whatever the next day is going to give you. Because especially if you're in the midst of a change, if you haven't had a good night's sleep, you are just not going to be able to face anything. You're not going to be able to decide. Whether you need cream in your coffee or milk.
1: <laughs> right. Well, look what they do to our Navy SEALs when they train them in our yeah. special forces. What do they defraud? They deprive them of food so they're hungry. Yeah. They deprive them of warmth so they're cold. And then they deprive them of sleep. Like that's. Right. You know, those are some of the biggest stressors, Rob. And I'm really excited today to talk about sleep number because we all know sleep's important. And if you know someone who's in the military, which is military mom talk radio, I would hope you would. I don't know if you're like some creeper listening today, um, you know, or you're a veteran child, like my father's a veteran. Um, we all know how good. Uh, a good night's sleep just makes everything so much better. It's like, you know, sleep on it. You'll feel better in the morning. I think of all those things, like my mom used to say. And it really makes me proud to let everyone know that during this month, Sleep Number is honoring our nation's heroes with savings reserved just for them. Now, the Sleep Number bed lets you choose the comfort and support that's right for you. It adjusts on each side. So if your battle buddy is also your bed buddy, it's great for couples, it's great for, you know, two people. Who who have very differing sleep habits. And you can actually feel how it kind of molds to your neck and your shoulders and your back and your hips for that just right spinal alignment. Like when your back is just like, I'm, I'm squirming around in my chair here, Rob, because I'm like, I just know that sweet spot, like when I can like completely fall asleep. And the cool thing is these sleep number beds are pretty smart. They can sense your every move and automatically adjust to keep you sleeping comfortably. And there's this adjustment for snoring. And I mean, seriously, whose bed does that? But, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Rob, you went into a sleep number store. I want you to tell me about that.
0: I did. And it was fascinating. I, I, I had been there once before, but my husband, Steve, had not. And I said, you got to come in here. You got to try this because we are in the market right now for a mattress and we laid down and we went through what's nice about the store is that you lay down on a bed, not just lay there and test it out, but they have this technology that will show you on a screen exactly where your pressure points are. And they reduce the amount of air supporting you to the point where you are at an optimum um, least amount of pressure for your particular body. And Steve was funny because he was like, oh, I see, I get it. You know, we were all, we were we were there and we were getting excited about it because you see it visually and then they email it to you right then and there. So you have your test little data sent right to you, you, haven't, you have your sleep number. Now I'm a 45, but Steve wanted to be upwards of 55 or 60. Where are you, Sand? Because I know you've got one too. You're yeah, yeah. You know, my
1: sweet spot is right around a thirty-five. Like that's that's yeah. where I'm the best.
0: Yeah, some days I think you know if you've had a rough day, you might need a little more um, uh, support. Other days, you might really want that cushion. And that's the beauty of these sleep number systems is that you're able to um, adjust even daily if you need to.
1: Um, like if I have a big workout, you know, and I I yeah. ride these twenty twenty five mile rides, and when right. I come home, I need I need I need something different than if I'm just sitting in my car or sitting in my desk all day. I mean, it's it's a very different
0: experience. Exactly. And what bed will let you do that other than the sleep number bed? I love it. I I, I just am so excited to know that Steve can have his support. I can have my comfort and we can both be in the same bed. (laughs) And look at the
1: difference of you guys. Like how tall are you, Rob?
0: I'm four foot eight inches tall. My husband is five eight. Yeah, he's five eight. So there's a whole foot difference. Of course, our, pressure points are not going to be exactly in the same spot, you know? You
1: had two kids. I mean, you know, we could go on and on, but. Yeah. Yeah. That is what knee replaced or his hip replaced. What did he have done last year?
0: Yes. had his hip replaced. And that presented a problem too, because he could not sleep in our old bed for like eight weeks until he had healed enough because he couldn't uh, handle the softness of our memory foam, which um, is what we're we're hoping to replace very, very soon. And Sleep Number has a beautiful i7 that I've got my eye on that has that beautiful uh, foam right on the top. See, and that's you know, amazing. It,
1: now, I want to talk about the Sleep IQ score because that's pretty cute. Yes.
0: That really is. And what, what's wonderful is that during the night, you get a little map in the morning. You have it right on your phone. You download their app. And you get a map of how your night went. You can see where you had a rough point in the night, or you can see that you had a solid sleep and you got a good amount, uh, the appropriate amount of sleep for you. And it's right there. So that if you've had a little bit of a tough night, you've tossed and turned a bit, that gives you an indication the next day that maybe you're not going to make some serious decisions first thing in the morning. Or... Maybe you did have a, sleep, a great night's sleep and you're ready to conquer the world. I love that sleep IQ.
1: Well, and it explains sometimes, like, you know, like my sweet spot is, again, like my sleep score last night was a 70. Um, mm. I know when I get in a certain range, like if I wake up in the morning, Rob, and I, like when my alarm goes off, like sometimes I wake up naturally, very rarely, but sometimes I do and that's great. But most of the time, you know, as a single mom with two kids and soul supporting for my 84 year old dad, I'm like a zombie and the alarm goes off and I'm like, you know, coming kind of out of this weird, you know, exhaustion. But when I look at my number and I look at my, anal- um, my analysis, sorry, I then can determine what I want to do that day. Like if I really had a poor night's sleep and I'm feeling it and it's reflected in the sleep IQ report, I know that I'm probably not going to do my 25 mile ride. Like I might do that tomorrow instead of today and I might ride 10 miles or I might, I might skip it all because I need that energy to do my work and take care of my kids and my dad. So you know, it really does, and it keeps me from feeling like I'm losing my mind. Like, you know, if I'm tired every day, I can look and go, okay, I need to make some adjustments. It's kind of like a little, it's just a little aid to help me sleep better. And right, right. I want to give everybody the special. I know we could yak on forever. I
0: know, but I think we need to tell everybody where they can get their own
1: Yeah, because there's 550 Sleep Number stores, and if you want to find one, go to sleepnumber.com slash militarymom to find the store near you. Now, there's an exclusive savings just for military and veterans, and right now, it's the semi-annual sale where you'll find the special Memorial Day savings of up to $800. You're going to want to go in the store. You're going to want to go in anyway, because I got to tell you, Rob, going in there is fun isn't it It yeah (laughs) like you're laying on like when I was
0: laying on the bed
1: the first time I'm like because I did feel a little weird you know the guys just in there and I'm like laying there and I'm like I don't think I'm ever gonna leave like I did not want to go home to my own bed I'm like just give me a blanket I'll take a nap here and you know I'll go home later but you You know, know it is fun. It is fun. Okay. So, yeah. So, that um, special just for military and veterans semi annual sale Well, you'll find the special Memorial Day savings up to $800. There's 550 sleep number stores, sleepnumber.com military mom to find the store nearest you. So, when I don't have a good night's sleep, Rob, mm-hmm. yeah, one of the things about navigating the new normal and navigating these changes is that. You know, change is scary. And if I had a bad night's sleep, if I don't feel well, oh my gosh, like the uncertainty monster just takes over. You know, like I start to feel nervous. I start to feel upset. Like, I don't even know why I do this to myself because I do. Because eventually it'll all be fine. We'll settle into our new home. We'll Kids will get into their new school. Like it will all work out in the end, one way or another. But I think also adjusting to these changes is all the dread that is the extra work. When you have to adjust to a new normal, it's more work. And military families are already pretty much overburdened by caring for a veteran, caring for children, you know, deconstructing a household and putting a household together. Is a really big deal. So when you're moving every couple years, no matter how little you acquire, it's still a lot of
0: work. It is a lot of work. And I think sometimes you don't even bother settling in because you're afraid or at least prepared to know that this is going to happen very shortly. I'm not unpacking those boxes. I'm not going to get ingrained in the PTA because... I know I'm going to have to rip myself away from those bonds. And that's kind of an issue too, because you're almost putting up a barrier around you worried that I'm going to feel that hurt again. I'm going to feel that pain again. I'm just not going to get involved. And that's really unfortunate too, because then you're missing out on an awful lot of uh, good enriched relationships and experiences. And that's kind of, that's, that's a challenge too, I
1: think. Well, it is because, you know, it's that catch 22, you know, like when you navigate change, they say, you know, don't stifle your emotions. Don't, mm-hmm. uh, what's the other advice I've been given? Um, oh, don't isolate. Yeah. Yeah. Like, see? That's I don't it. know how long I'm going to be here. So to entrench myself in a community. Yeah. So you find yourself like guarding your heart, you know, you yep. You get involved but you don't get too involved you right um you participate in things but you don't you participate fully but you hold back and then there's that still that little part of you that feels isolated
0: mm-hmm. yeah those kinds of um, you you only hope that once you are uh, uh, severed from the military at least you're going to be able to say I can stay in one location for more than three years, or, or more than six months, or, or whatever. But I think that latent feeling is always there. You're, it takes a long time to get into um, a more settled pattern, I think. It's very challenging.
1: It is very challenging. You know, and I think of my friend, Sharn, and, you know, we were talking about stuff because we both love to go walk around like Ross or TJ Maxx or, you mm-hmm. know, those kind of bargainy stores.
0: Yeah. And,
1: you know, there's, it does rob a little bit of the joy of, you know, you, you, you it, a military family can't really acquire a lot of things. It's, right. it's not practical. It's right. not, it's not feasible. And you, you know, you can't move everything and everything's got a weight to it and um, you know, and a cost to it to carry forward. So I think one of the things that it's like a pro and a con, you don't get attached in a way you would staying in the same town, staying in the same house, staying in the same location. You know, there was a period of time in my life where I moved six times in 10 years and there were boxes that I bet you they're still in my garage, Rob. I'm not kidding you. That yeah. weren't unpacked from like move two or three. Yeah. And I don't even know what's in there, but I also don't like feel like I want to go out and excavate them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where I'm like, I'll just take a flamethrower to my garage. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't know what's in there. I can't miss it. And then.
0: That's
1: when you gotta, Yeah. I have boxes from my friends who are deployed. Yeah. Like, I, oh, have gosh. Boxes. I have boxes from my friend Debbie, who's been deployed, like, I don't know, two years now. And then she was relocated to Virginia. And I know they have her old stuff when she was first commissioned as an officer. She's got, you mm-hmm. know, things that, I know they're meaningful to her. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to chuck them. I think her old uniform's in there because I tried it on once. And it was, you know, just to see if it fit. And, you know, yeah. I couldn't button the pants. And, you know, after... Two kids, I couldn't button the top. You know, but there's things like that you want to keep as part of your life, and it's really hard with the military lifestyle. You can't.
0: Yeah, you can't. What I was starting to say was um, then you have issues like when someone does pass away, like when your mom died, you can't always go through those things right away. You've got to give yourself some time, you've got to sort of get through. Some of the stages of your processing uh, what your new normal is going to be. I have a new normal without mom or I have a new normal without dad. Those are the things then that you've got to decide when is right for you. It took you a while to go through your mom's closet. I uh, I still have stuff. Yeah, I bet you do. Yeah, I do too. I still have boxes. And thank goodness Stephen understands because there's boxes that are on our porch um, that he is very impatiently wanting to get cleared out. But I said, not ready, not ready. You know, those are some things. What's in them? They're not important, but they are to me. They are to me.
1: Well, that's like my friend Rick's mom came over to help me after my mom died and, you know, I she came in and she's like, "This is just junk. Let's just get rid of it. This is just junk." And yeah. I know this sounds silly, but like my mom's slippers. Like, isn't that funny that like yeah. you know she's like yeah. old slippers. Like, who wants old slippers? Go get yourself some new ones. And then I like sat cross-legged on the floor with my head in my hands and I was <laughs> weeping. And she's like, "What is going on with you?" And she goes, "Are you a hoarder attached to all this stuff?" And I'm
0: like, No,
1: I'm like, those were my mom's slippers, and I hadn't seen them rob in like. Three years and she was well meaning, and I was really grateful that she and my friend Carrie came over to go through this stuff with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I needed that emotional support, and it was okay for me to let these things go. And you know, when somebody passes on, um, it's hard to let the things go because the things anchor in us as representing yes. them but right. then the weirdest thing happened like six months later I went in the same closet and I was like I was looking for something and I pulled this box out and I was like Ooh, like it smelled moldy like muscle oh, yeah and what had smelled so good like reminded me of my mom and looked like my mom had become this box of junk but that didn't happen right away and no, it took a while for it to, to smell like old stuff and not my mom's stuff. So yeah. I guess if you have to get rid of it, get a group yeah. of friends to support you in that. But if you don't, go at your own pace because it's another adjustment. Right. To, and there is some little grieving that goes along with of each course. one yeah. of these... It's just a box of books, but they were my mom's cookbooks. And so that was a hard
0: thing for me to get rid of, even though I didn't want to cook anything in them. Yep. Yeah. I think sometimes if you take pictures of the things that you know you have to get rid of, at least you've got the memory. Um, Certain things like my mother, um, because her hands were getting weak, she liked using polymer clay and she would make these little uh, pins or beads or little pieces of jewelry and we would bake them, and she'd put a little clasp on the back. Her hands weren't strong enough to make anything really crafty. You're not going to find <laughs> her stuff on Etsy. However, I can't part with them, and I probably never will. But those happened to be tiny. There were some other boxes that she had other projects in, and I finally just had to get rid of them, but I took pictures of them, so at least I had them.
1: Yeah, And um,
0: taken pictures of them. yeah. Like
1: I had a bunch of, I know this sounds silly, but like my mom used to drive me nuts with her sheets. Okay. Nothing ever matched. And we had a bunch of kids and a bunch of beds and my sister would have like the striped bottom sheet. And then she would have the flowered sheet that matched my (laughs) pillowcase. And You know, Jill would have this, Jen would have that, Susan would have this, Doug would have this, Steve would have this, you know, and it was all cattywampus, drove me insane. And the sheets were also like 10,000 years old. You know what I mean? Yeah, like they yeah. were really old and used when my mom got them. And um, she used to like to bargain hunt, so nothing ever matched. So like right now in my house, everybody has white sheets. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sheets. yeah. No patterns, <laughs> no stripes, no anything. Well, so my dad's cleaning out my mom's pantry, or what do you call it? The linen closet. Yeah. And he hands me all these pillowcases. And they're like... Oh my gosh, Rob, I just fell apart. And then I lugged those suckers back to California. Yep, where yep. I
0: hired a seamstress in town here, and she made me this quilt. I was going to say, I wonder if you should make a quilt, but you oh. are your way ahead of me. And it's so ugly. Because yep. it's not like, some of
1: them are like 70s disco prints, and then there's like the the ugly stuff from the 60s like the greens and the mauves, the, you know mm-hmm. the, like just like the the stripes that are so ugly yeah. Yeah. and this, like cheery floral laura ashley prints from the <laughs> 80s i mean it's like a world of history in pillowcases mhm but you love it I do. And when I miss my mom, I grab a cup of tea and I, and I look at one of her old cookbooks where she made handwritten notes mm-hmm. and I sit in the blanket. And then I had an ugly quilt made, remember with my baby clothes? Yeah. Yeah. The stained soiled baby clothes that weren't worth reusing, but had meaning to me. Yes. I the ugly quilt. I actually sewed that sucker myself never again.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: but if you have an untimely demise, you have to bury me with both
0: quilts. Okay. Okay. My son did that with uh, band uh, t-shirts. There was somebody who um, was willing to do that. So he actually uh, had a lot of his band t-shirts kind of put together, and he used it on the back so his wife can flip it over, and it's got a pretty side on one side. (laughs) And the t-shirt's on the other side when he wants to kind of rock out with his uh, youth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
1: but you know that those the, the 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 divorce quilt, especially the baby quilt, really mm-hmm. do you remember that really helped me cope with those changes because mm-hmm. when my kids were what, 3 and 5 or 5 and 6, I can't remember what they were, and they remember they first went over to their dad's for their first mm-hmm. overnight. Yeah. And I cried. I cried that whole night. Like yeah. it, you know. Not everybody's like that, but I was. And I was so happy to have the quilt with their little baby shirts in it. And I just yeah. kind of wrapped myself up in it and and cried for whatever reason I was crying for. But mm-hmm. all those tears and that little ugly quilt and mm-hmm. the quilt with my mom, like that has helped me cope. And it's yeah. not big. I didn't. I didn't have a make a big bed size. Yeah. Quilt. It's like maybe a 50 by 60. You know, it's not real big. Right. It's just enough that I can feel it, touch it, and, yeah. and cover myself up with it.
0: But that what we're saying here is is using something that's tangible to get you across that bridge to something that you can't quite do on your own. And mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with finding something, whether it means holding on to some handmade beef, having a quilt made of those memories, uh, taking photographs of the things. I actually uh, wear my mother's wedding band uh, that was her very first wedding band. Uh, the day she died, I put it on my hand and it probably will be there until I die. Um, and that'll be on Emily's hand. <laughs> so, But those are the things that help us. And it. I don't think there's anything wrong with finding those tan, uh, tangible things that are helping us with those um, uh, emotional things. And Mm -hmm. that's what you need to find is what is it that you need in order to face whatever you can't face. And that could be anything for anybody, but um, you sometimes need a friend maybe to say, Hey, but I think you need to find something that's going to be your crutch.
1: Well, or you know, and to help you at certain times, like I have, I have ornaments from every place that I. Oh, live. right. Yes. You know, and they're yeah. just they're just meaningful to me. Like you know, they're an mm-hmm. ornament I picked up here. So when I put those ornaments on my tree, um, I can have those memories, and I'm already being poignant at that time anyway. Though I will tell you, let me to tell you about my epic fail Christmas tree that I did. <laughs> oh, it was gruesome. Um, I decided I was going to go to one of those craft stores and buy those little hanging ornaments that you make, you put people's pictures in. Oh yes. Yes. And I was so happy, Rob. I, I got online, I uploaded all my family pictures of people who had passed my dogs who had passed and I, I, made them. And I didn't hang them that year. It was so funny. I I made them all. And then as people, I bought some extra. And as my relatives passed on or my friends passed on, I put them all together. And then about three years ago, I took them all out and I'm like, I'm going to make a memory tree. And I made my memory tree. And then Max and Zach come out and they're like, wow, mom, look at all those pictures. Look at all those. And Max is like, is that Bailey? And I'm like, Ew. like Bailey who died. And I'm like, our yeah. dog Bailey. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> it's snowy. And then yeah. Zach's like, that's grandma. And they looked at me and they're like, oh my God, this is the dead tree. <laughs> like, this is
0: horrible.
1: No, and it no. started out as what I thought was this great <laughs> crafting project became like the tree of death. <laughs>
0: we <laughs> were leave, horrified leave and, it to zacky to call a spade a spade here you know <laughs> uh, merry christmas
1: they're all dead yeah. <laughs> so now all i do is i bring out a couple dogs and i'll bring i'll put my mom on the tree but, yeah, but yeah. have, like four sets of grandparents <laughs> <laughs> so maybe for the what is it the mexican day of the dead the oh, yeah, like, yeah 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 for that but, you know, you kind of roll with it. Now I laugh. Like when I, those ornaments yeah. that were so emotional and made me feel so much emotion. Now yeah. I just look and I laugh. And they, yeah. I know that they're up in the heavens wherever they are <laughs> laughing right along with me. Oh my God, it's a Christmas tree full of everything dead.
0: Yes. yes. <laughs> oh gosh. Those are the things that you have to do. You have to have them and you have to later laugh at them. But um, there are also things we should probably talk a little bit, San, about those um, things that are harder to face or harder to get over, like something that's going to be a permanent change, whether it be our health. Um, I know after cancer, I've had challenges ever since. I'm never going to be the way I was before. Um, Sometimes we have injuries that we will never be the same as we were before. Um, Those are a little bit harder to to come to to grips with.
1: There is, because there's always that, You know, like I talk a lot about in the classes that I teach about like time traveling, like time traveling Mm -hmm. can be really detrimental in situations of loss, like loss of health, loss of limb, loss Mm -hmm. of life, or loss of a marriage, loss of a home, you know, all those, all those losses come together. And when you time travel, time travel, time traveling to the past can make you feel nostalgic. You can miss this. You can, you know, you're kind of going back to a place that doesn't exist anymore. And if you're like me, a lot of times you romanticize what it was like because it's easier to remember that. But then I feel lousy. And then if I spend too much time traveling in the future, That's when I get into the, what if this happens? What if this gets worse or when this gets worse? Or, you know, what if I get divorced again? What if I lose my house? Like what if my health continues to deteriorate and the likelihood is any of those could and will happen, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't help us right now. And we, you know, we talk about staying present. Um, You have to stop time traveling. You can't go in the past and you can't go in the future and it just takes practice to do that,
0: yeah, I think that was something that was very apparent with me because um, it was difficult when my I was still had little children or younger children when I did go through it, and as a mom, of course, you worry about whether or not you're going to be there for your your daughter 's high school graduation or your your college graduation or your marriage or whatever um the grandbabies grandbabies but the thing that i felt that i needed to do was live today and even if i don't have tomorrow i need to find what's good about today um there are days that i don't feel as peppy there are days that i wish i was out walking instead of um maybe with my feet up but on the other hand um, I learned that I need to find something good in today. And I I had a friend who used to say, oh, you're always a Pollyanna. You always look at the bright side. You always try and see the glass half full, not half empty. Uh, And even to this day, my daughter keeps throwing that up at me. She keeps saying, oh, mom, is the glass half full today? Or, you know, because I'm always trying to find the positive. I think I always was that way. But even more so now, um, It could be the most minuscule thing. I was able to um, walk up and down the stairs with um, uh, two clean towels. That could be a huge accomplishment, and you have to embrace that.
1: Well, and I think like, you know, it's very easy to be negative. It's very easy to go down the roads of fear and anxiety and Uh frustration. And so, you know, to be fair, like we do know that a positive attitude is not only ruled by genetics, but ruled by brain chemistry. So it is harder for other people. It's harder for some people. We can acknowledge that. But at the end of the day, it's a choice. And what's funny, Rob, is you get to choose your reality. Like when you talk about that glass half full, glass half empty, you get to choose your reality. Now, the situation may be the same. How you interpret it, how you look at it, what weight you give to certain things. like those two towels that you can now carry up the stairs where you couldn't carry anything. Mm-hmm. You could either be happy that you could carry those two towels or unhappy because you used to be able to carry 10. Yeah. Like it's yeah. your choice. The reality yeah. is the same. Two towels were carried up, but how you choose to interpret that is yeah. entirely up to you. And that's what that phrase means that you create your reality what you choose yes. to focus on, what meaning you choose to give it. Mm-hmm. Like when my mom passed away, you know, I was so sad and I was relieved at the same time. And I felt really guilty for that yes. because yes. I couldn't shake the feeling that I was so glad she wasn't in pain anymore. She exactly. wasn't suffering. She wasn't throwing up. She wasn't in mm-hmm. constant pain. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't wish death on her, but death was a relief. And it was a relief on me because there's no more helpless feeling than caring for someone you love and you can't get them out of pain. You can't make them feel better. Like I would have stood on my head, given my left kidney, but that feeling of helplessness, it just sucked for everybody. And when she died, there was a big part of me that was relieved that she wasn't suffering anymore. And I kept focusing on the relief. I didn't go back to the bitterness. I didn't go to the future that she's going to miss out on all these things. I didn't go back to the, what if she lived? What if, what if, or, you know, there was a while there that I was really mad at God and really mad at the situation, you know, Uh all those full gamut of emotions. But I choose to focus on the fact that she's not suffering anymore, and that gives me some peace.
0: Yes, yeah. I think there are times when maybe you need to jot down at the end of the day what was one thing that was good about today and what was one thing that was bad about today. And whatever is on the bad thing, you scratch that out and replace it with one good thing that you're going to do tomorrow. Um, And it sounds so basic. It sounds uh, so elementary. But having that um, task, having it being in your hand, having it visual gives you that sense that yes, there it is in black and white or blue and white that I did something positive today. I scratched out the thing that I felt bad or negative or hated about today and I replaced it with something good tomorrow. Um and that gives you your focus for the next day. That's one thing that you're gonna try and accomplish. I know that's one thing that I I battle with Steven about in that we have a whole lot of things that we've got to do to our house. It's an older house, a lot of things need to be done to it. He's looking at the list that's got twenty-nine things on it that are all major, needs repair, needs a carpenter, needs whatever. I said, stop it. Take one thing off of that list and put it on, on the refrigerator and that's it. Right. And then when you're done with that one thing, put one more thing up. And I think ha- having to, to physically focus on something a lot more attainable, a lot more tangible, that's going to give you the feeling of success and then therefore that's going to feel accomplished and that's going to feel give you uh, drive to be able to, uh, accomplish whatever else you've got to deal with.
1: Well, it's true. And it's like one of the things that, that our service people are drilled in, like mm-hmm. when they say, you know, how do you eat an elephant? Mm-hmm. One bite at a time. Like, yes, that's it. Like, you know, everything, everything as a whole can be so overwhelming.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, what you did was you took that elephant, that big list that you yeah. And you broke it down into bite-sized pieces. Right. But the, the the bigger thing at play, Rob, is the fact that you have a house. Mm-hmm. You have a place to live. Like, even when my air conditioning was broken, my pool was broken. My washer and dryer were broken. My ice maker was broken. My garbage disposal. Do you remember that summer? I do. It was like... Armageddon, in my own house from the inside out, like just everything was breaking. That's when I pushed yeah. the refrigerator up the hill from my mom's old house. Yeah, Rick and yeah. I pushing it up the hill on this dolly <laughs> because I didn't have the money to get a U-Haul, you know, just all these crazy things from that time. Yeah. But the one thing, like, I think you were the one who told it to me, and I was crying and I was so upset, and you're like, "But Sam, you have a place to live." Your kids have not had to move after the divorce. Like, yeah. you're in your home. Yes, it's 110 in your living room. <laughs> you can't run the dishwasher or the garbage disposal. But you have water, like, and then we started to laugh, like, I don't know if you even remember that conversation. I do, I do. Just <laughs> cracking up going, like, Rob, I can't <laughs> see a dead cat around in this house without hitting something that's broken. <laughs> and it did take me, what, maybe two years to get everything fixed, oh, yeah. to be able to afford to get things fixed, and, you know, <laughs> thank God there was a leak in my roof. <laughs> you know, that gave insurance money that, you know, yeah. ease some of those things, but... You know, I laugh about it now, but at that time, it was just crisis after crisis. But the fact remains is I had a place to live. Mm-hmm. Wasn't perfect, you know, it was crazy hot. <laughs> but, you know, there weren't snakes running through my house. There weren't rats running around, you know, like it could be, I guess the the thing is, it could be a lot worse. No yeah. matter what we're going through, if we have a friend, like you reminded me, Stan, look, it could be a lot worse.
0: And that's what I was just going to say. There are times that we have to let at least one person in. We have to say, I need to talk to somebody. I need to open up. Um, If you're depressed and you're feeling that you're getting into a depression, you do need to talk to somebody. If you just uh, are are just overwhelmed and need to uh, sort things out, call your friend. Call a buddy. there's nothing wrong with laying it out and and just opening up. You're not always going to be able to do everything alone. So.
1: Right. I mean, it's like, yeah, when I found that really good therapist that helped me. Yeah. yeah. And raising the kids and the starting. The kids, right. And, and, you know, and just just saying the words sometimes i would start to crack up and laugh because they sounded so ridiculous like in my head they made a whole lot of sense rob yeah like, you know and i would cry and feel bad and like and then i would say it to my therapist and then burst out laughing going like this is so stupid like yeah. why did i think this but Shame can only live in darkness. You know, fear can only live in darkness. And when you talk to a therapist or a trusted friend or a Mm -hmm. pastor or a family readiness officer, any of these people that, you know, hopefully you can trust, um, you realize that nothing is worse than what's in your own head.
0: Isn't that true? I know. Because then you get some objectivity and once you have objectivity that puts it in perspective and once it's in perspective you can handle it. Yep. And thoughts are heavy. Okay. You no, know, that's the one oh, thing yeah. I don't
1: think like I know, you know, because I was working entirely in tech at that time, other than my children, you know, days could go by and I wouldn't talk to another human being. Everything yeah. was text, email, yeah. Instant message, coding, going back and forth, and I lost the ability to have a conversation with another person.
0: Yeah, yeah. And when they would
1: say, how are you? Only you and like my mom and a handful of other people, I could actually articulate mm-hmm. how I was because I lost, I lost touch and connection. Everything was so isolated. and Everything was yeah. so frozen. Yeah. I've been fine. And I was like, yeah. Mark always called me the queen of deflection, because I would go, because he deflects too. I'm like, hey, Mark, how you doing today? Good, Sam. How are you? Mm-hmm. So how are you doing? Good. How are you? <laughs> you know, and I would like go back and forth, and not either one of us would say, like, this is where the therapist helped me with the languaging. Yeah. I am. Frustrated because I don't know what to do with my mom's ashes. Yeah. I am stressed because I have all her things in my house. I'm mm-hmm. scared because I don't know how to help my dad through this. Right? You know, I'm afraid because I have to go to court tomorrow for custody. Like mm-hmm. those words, I did not have at that time. I don't think you ever heard me say them.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I did not, because I don't think you. It's almost like. Being uh, a young person, like a, a, a one-and-a-half-year-old or a two-year-old, they don't have words yet to explain what those feelings are, so they have meltdowns. And I think that's the easiest thing to do is you just have a meltdown and to be able to have the tools to be able to say those buzzwords, those facilitating words, afraid, uh, confused, uh, overwhelmed, uh, uh, all of those kinds of facilitating words, because then that brings it into an action, uh, a, a requirement of action. Because if you're afraid, therefore, what, is your, what are you going to combat with that with? And I, I think that just opens up the ability to tackle it.
1: Right. Well, and there's some people that walk this earth, like I think of my sister and, you know, like Jen, Jen and Susan can articulate very clearly what they're feeling. Mm. Jill and Mm -hmm. I kind of got goose eggs on that. And so I had like, I was like a three speed car. I was either sad. I was either scared or I was mad. Like I could identify those three feelings, but there were a whole bunch of other feelings in there. And I think from years of stuffing, maybe because I'm I work in tech, like uh-huh. maybe it's the way I'm made, it could have been, you know, it could be a million reasons. Right. Back to the matter is the therapist helped me untangle some of this mm. stuff. Uh-huh. So I could say, well, if she's like, you know, you're not really sad, you're grieving. And this is these are the things that happen when you grieve. Because uh-huh. since, you know, life is not um it's not like dominoes where they all line up really nice. You yes. know, they're kind of all scattered around in a bag and you know, you might have a death and a divorce and a foreclosure and a new job and a new kid and a new baby. You know, they don't line up like little soldiers. Mm-hmm. They kind of all merge into one and sometimes they happen at the same time. Yeah. So yeah. to kind of untangle some of this stuff so you can handle it is really beneficial when you go to get somebody to help you.
0: Mm-hmm. because.
1: Then I could also express what I was feeling, but I could then ask for what I need. Because if yeah. you don't know what's going on, you don't know why you're feeling a certain way, everything is just overwhelming and you're either completely sad, completely mad, or completely mm-hmm. afraid. Yeah. How do you even know? what to ask for or how to get help or who to go to for help. And if you go, what are you going to ask for? We're back to that circular. Yeah. So if you're like me. You just put up, shut up and suck it up. And that did not, that did not do well. I didn't have good results from that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no. And I think there again, if, so, if you are talking with someone, they're looking at you in a more objective way and they can say, all right, step one, let's take this. This is attainable. Let's deal with this factor. Um, And I think sometimes you have to give yourself permission to lean on somebody, to let somebody help you. We, especially women, feel very uh, empowered that we are supposed to do it all. We are supposed to take on the world. We're supposed to do it all. Um, we, We don't have to. We don't need to. We can have help we can ask for help or you gave me permission like I remember
1: one time you said to me Sam it's okay that the laundry isn't done Yes. Because yeah. one of the things, as a soul-supporting, single, full-time working mom, I really tried to keep up with dual household parents. Yeah. You know, I tried to do everything the dad would do and everything the mom would do. And then these are what my kids need. And this is what my dad needs. And I ran myself ragged in those years. And then yeah. you would say to me things like, "San, it's okay if the laundry's not done. And I'd be like, no, it isn't. The laundry's not done. Like, now I look back, like, there's the overwhelm. Like, yeah, yeah. Like can go, really, Rob? I got that tweaked about the laundry <laughs> not getting done? Or the fact that it was in the kids' laundry baskets in the room, and you're like, San, that's okay. Like, mm-hmm. you don't have to have it all put away. But right. You know, I didn't know where to put the brakes on yeah. because I was in combat mode. I was in go, go, yeah. go, get it done. And most yeah. military moms are that same way. They're just yeah. get it done, get it done right, don't complain,
0: you know, and then just cry in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Or go do your toenails. Isn't that your go-to? That's your go-to. That's my room. go-to. Like, some self-care. Okay, I will get a pedicure, like
1: once a year. Yeah. there is my self-care.
0: <laughs> go paint your toenails in the bathroom. Cry it out, and then you can face the world. Yep.
1: <laughs> and, you know, and we laugh about these things, but they were really, really painful times for me. And it- Yes. You know, I'd like to wrap up our show for today by saying, if any of you gals are listening today and you resonate with any of these feelings, call Rob, <laughs> <laughs> call her. That's what I did. <laughs> get a cup of tea, get on Skype. She'll talk you yep. off the wall. She'll talk to you. But that's what a good friend does. Or call that her. is what a good friend does. You know, my therapist who put everything into perspective, and there were times, Rob, that she would just look at me in the session. And then she'd go, I want you to kind of repeat what you just said to me. <laughs> and then I would tell her, and she said, would you in a million years ever say that to your friend? And I'd be like, no. <laughs> and she'd be like, why are you saying it to yourself? Like, yes. you have to learn, some of us have to learn how to be our own best friend.
0: Isn't that true? I know. Well, I'm glad you're my best friend. Yes,
1: me too. Me too. <laughs> We've been through a lot in what, Fort 15 years? about that close to it anyway yeah so i'll give out your home number no i'm just kidding (laughs) i need robin i need robin oh all right well there we go our show is done for this week Uh, my name is sandra beck and my lovely co-host is robin boyd and we will be back again next week with another episode on military mom talk radio have a great week